So for the last few weeks, we've been hearing from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. And even though we've been hearing from this letter for six weeks now, we're still relatively close to the beginning. Right? We're only in chapter 3 out of like 16. Uh, so Paul, remember, he began this letter with a greeting. And in this greeting, he reminded the Corinthians that they're called to be holy. Right? They're called to live their life in a way that's very different from the way that uh, non-believers live. And after this greeting, Paul begins to address some pastoral problems that he'd been hearing about. Throughout the entire letter, St. Paul talks about many issues, remember. He talks about sickening immorality. He talks about egregious injustices committed against the poor. But the very first problem that he starts to deal with here in this letter is the problem of division and disunity. For the last few weeks, St. Paul's been speaking, we've been hearing the portion of the letter, rather, where St. Paul is speaking to try and help the Corinthians overcome some of their division. And one thing he does is he points out to them that very often they're relying on human wisdom. Right? They're thinking like human beings instead of tapping into divine wisdom. We heard a little bit about that today as well, but today's reading begins with a very important couple of verses that almost sound completely out of place at first, where Paul reminds us that the church is the temple of God. Now when we hear about us, the body of Christ being the temple of God, very often we think of our own individual bodies. Right? Our individual bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit where God dwells. Okay? And that's very true. But here in this letter, Paul is referring not to individual bodies, but to the entire community. All right? He's referring to the entire church. He's not talking about a building, of course. He's talking instead about all of the people gathered. That makes up the body of Christ. That's the temple where God dwells. And he adds that there are serious consequences for anyone who destroys the temple of God. He says if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For the temple of God, which you are, is holy. Now, when I first heard that, when I read that for the first time, I immediately started thinking about Christians in the Middle East who are literally uh, being destroyed by terrorism. I also, of course, in our own country, thought of some issues pertaining to religious freedom uh, that we've been very concerned with for several years now. And, of course, I talked about uh, sort of the, the culture in which we live which is often, it's becoming very secular, very atheistic, and very hostile to our churches. So I was thinking sort of some of these external threats to the church, but look at the context again that St. Paul's writing in. All right, if he's speaking about external threats, this little line about the temple of the Holy Spirit, it really just kind of comes out of nowhere and makes no sense. It's off topic. 
Paul, remember, he's speaking of all of this division and disunity in the church. And he says to the Corinthians that if anyone destroys God's temple, that God will destroy that person. All right, Paul is not speaking of external threats here. Paul is pointing out that there are internal threats that destroy the church. The greatest threats to the church today, and in the days that he was writing to the church in Corinth, the greatest threats to the church are not external. The greatest threats are internal. Going along this theme that he's been talking about, the greatest threats to the church are when we think about the church according to human wisdom. When we think about the church according to our human ways of thinking. And he's very clear here. The wisdom of the world is foolishness in the eyes of God. This is what leads to the division that Paul found so repugnant. It's what he found that, uh, that St. Paul sounds so threatening to the church. And of course, all of this happens right up until today. There's a great book I've been reading very slowly. I've been reading it for over a year, I think, and I'm only on, I think, chapter two. Um, but uh, it's a book called Divine Renovation. All right, it's, it's about a pastor. Uh, it's a real story. This pastor basically uh, built his church up into a thriving community of faith, a very vibrant parish. And in that book, really in the introduction there, uh, so there was an introduction. It's not like chapter one and chapter two that I'm on. There's also an introduction, which is a little bit better. But in that book, the pastor wanted to host an event at his parish called the Alpha Course. All right, we, of course, offer that here at Immaculate Heart. All right, and what he wanted to do by offering the Alpha Course was he wanted to get some new people, people who had never been part of a church, people who hadn't been part of the church in a long time, to come to the parish and discuss some of life's deepest questions and to show them how Jesus of Nazareth actually sheds light on some of the answers to those questions. But when he tried to start this initiative, many people in his parish pushed back. And the reason that they pushed back was because the parish hall, where Father Malin wanted to have this class every week, was being used. And it was being used by a group of parishioners who were playing cards. They had a weekly card game that met at the time that Father Mallon wanted to have this. When Father Mallon decided that he was going to remove them and not allow them to use the hall for that purpose anymore, so that he could actually do something pertaining to the church's mission, many of these people rebelled. They threatened to leave. They put up resistance. All right, they were thinking about their parish in a very human way, simply providing a social function for them. But they were not thinking of it as a place where people come to encounter the Lord, a place where people come to grow in holiness. Now that's an egregious example, of course, and I'm happy to report that as a priest, I've never had to deal with something quite like that. But we do see people 
who think of the church in very human ways. I remember when I was in college, and I'm going to share this, and I'm embarrassed to share it, frankly. I'm not happy to tell this story. But I remember when I was in college, just getting back into my faith again, and I had made some very good friends, and we'd begun to attend weekday mass at our little chapel across the street from campus. And we enjoyed it. It was a time where we got to get together, kind of hang out in the middle of this busy day. Um, And as fate would have it, uh, more and more people started coming to daily Mass. And again, I'm embarrassed to say, but I was actually a little bit disappointed. Because all the people, all the new people showing up were starting to change the social dynamics of my friends and I gathering. All right, there were some couches upstairs. I remember walking in and people actually had the nerve to sit in these couches that I was supposed to sit in. <laughs> How could they have done this? All right, I remember being put off like, whoa, this is throwing off my routine. This is throwing off Everything I look forward to. I look forward to this experience just to sit, hang out with my buddies and, and, and do this. So I remember being, being threatened by new people showing up to Mass. Sometimes we do let the social dynamics of the parish overshadow the mission of the parish. I'm sure even many of us today, when we showed up, We very quickly and very warmly greeted our friends, people we recognized. And I'm sure some of us kind of ignored the people that we didn't recognize. If we approached strangers with as much eagerness as we approach our friends, I think our churches would all be very full. I don't think that we'd be as threatened by some of these external things going on in the world that we sort of blame for, uh, that we sort of pin as threats to the church. Again, for the people of Corinth, for people in Kelso, for people really in every church, not just Catholic churches. Threats to the church are inside the church. As Jesus said in the Gospel, if you greet your brothers only, What is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? Placing our social experiences over the mission of the church, it happens. All right? And it's important for the church to have good social functions. Last night, of course, we had the prime rib dinner. It was wonderful. I had a lot of fun. I'm happy that this happened. But those social experiences... They can't replace the mission of the church. They can't substitute for the mission of the church. Again, it happens that sometimes we're going to do that. I already told you a story about how I've done it. I probably still do it. Maybe in ways I'm, I'm aware of. Maybe in some ways I'm not aware of. Maybe you do it too. But when we do that, when we think of the church in terms of human ways and not in terms of divine wisdom. We're not acting like the church. We're just acting like a social club. 
There isn't anything distinct about us at that point. There isn't anything holy about us at that point. But when we do believe truly what St. Paul reveals, that the Spirit of God actually dwells within us, and that this is the temple of God where he dwells, then we'll be able to live in a distinct way, just as our Lord proclaimed in the Gospel. 